Welcome to the Product Doula Presents, the podcast that helps you navigate the complex journey of bringing your product-based business to life. I'm your host, Christina Vanacore, and I'm excited to be your guide on this journey. Each week, I'll interview guest experts, product-based entrepreneurs, and provide education and insights to help you make informed decisions for your business. I know that launching and scaling a product-based business can be overwhelming, and that's why I'm here. I'm like your very own product doula, guiding you through every step of the process. From market research and product development to manufacturing and distribution, I've got you covered. There's no sugarcoating around here, so buckle your seatbelts and let's jump in. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Product Doula Presents. I am excited because I have yet another member of the Entrepreneurista League joining me this week on the podcast. I met Lauren through the Entrepreneurista League, and she is fantastic. We had our first conversation, a coffee chat, just hit it off, loved everything about her and what she's doing. Lauren is the attorney behind LB Legal Creative, and she works with business owners to make sure that they are protecting themselves with trademark whether it's through investigation, acquisition, or the enforcement, she has a unparalleled enthusiasm and excitement for all of it. And so Lauren, welcome to the show. Please tell our audience more about you and what you do. Hello, Christina. Thank you so much for having me here. So as you said, my name is Lauren, and I am the attorney behind LB Legal Creative, and I help entrepreneurs start smart with legal strategy and trademark protection. And your trademark is the foundation of your business, and I love helping female founders, and all founders really, make sure that the brand names that they are planning to use, whether it's for your business name, for a course you're offering, for a new product line, whatever it is, to make sure that your mark is not only clear to use, but that we go ahead and protect that mark as well. Incredible. And so I know the importance of trademarking just from the clients that I've worked with. But for those that are out there listening that maybe are wondering, like, do I really need to get a trademark? Share with us what's the importance of having a trademark at the start of your business. All right. Well, First of all, if you, let's say that you are in the early stages, but you know that you want to get investors in your company, you've got to have your intellectual property protected. One of the things that I always like to say to new clients, which was an analogy that my, one of my very first bosses gave me probably 20 plus years ago, is that when you are, let's say you're going to buy a house and you see a beautiful piece of land, you would never just start building your new house on that land without any further investigation into who owns it, making sure that the zoning requirements are in your favor, making sure that you're not in a flood zone or that the foundation of that land is, you know, not sound for you to build upon. And just like that would be way too much of a risk for a potential homeowner who wants to build on that land, building um, a brand around a trademark that you don't own is just as risky. So One of the things that I encourage all new businesses to do is first to do a comprehensive trademark search, and that is a search um, of the Patent and Trademark Office, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, to make sure that there's no direct bars to your use of the mark. And it also searches business databases, directories, domain name directories, and state trademark registrations 
all around the country to make sure that there are no third parties that are already using the mark. Because the way trademarks work is that the first person to use a mark is the owner of the mark. If your mark is clear and you are able to register your mark, that trademark registration gives you legal legal leverage all around the United States. So anytime you see somebody copying your mark, you can say, wait a minute, I am the presumptive owner in the United States. And that's huge. It's a, a big deterrence factor for a lot of other companies when they see that you have that R after your name. That was so, a long answer. <laughs> no, and that was great. And I love that you just said the R because a lot of people, and I believe you and I actually had this conversation, assume that if you have just the TM at the end mm-hmm. of your name that you're protected. So what is the difference between putting the TM and actually having the R? All right. So it's a great question. And people do this incorrectly all the time. And there's a big problem with it because if you are using the R in the circle at the end of your name and you don't actually have a federally registered trademark, that is illegal. So let's say you are starting a new company and you filed a trademark application, but you haven't, or you know you want to file a trademark application, but you haven't gotten around to it yet. At that point, you may use the small TM, the capital T, capital M on the right shoulder of the mark. And that's fine. That essentially puts the world on notice that you are claiming trademark rights into that name. Now, once your mark actually registers and you have a registration from the United States Patent and Trademark Office in hand, then you can actually change all of those little TMs to the R in the circle. Those are for registered trademarks only. And again, it is illegal to use the R symbol if you don't have a registered trademark in the United States. Okay, well, so you've heard it. Don't be thinking you're cute and just putting the R at the end of your name. So the process of getting a trademark, what does the timeline look like from the moment that you actually file it and put it into the office versus actually getting that letter that says you're registered and you can start using the R? (laughs) This is like the question of the day. I've answered this a couple of times already. Well, first, before we even get to the application process, let's say you're a new company, you're adopting a new mark, or you've just started a new mark using a new mark, but you're open to rebranding if you, you know, if there is something out there that's a conflict. That process is pretty fast. We can do a comprehensive trademark search within and get you results within a week or two. That's that's easy and that's smooth. So once you go ahead and file your application, getting your application on file, once you have all of the information you need, does not take long. What takes long is that once the application is on file, the Patent and Trademark Office is taking anywhere from like eight months to 12 months just to do their initial review of the application. And then once the initial review happens, they can come back to you with, a variety of different things. They might say that your mark, you know, you're good to go and you're going to go to the publication phase, or they could say um, they could issue what's called an office action response. And they could say, you know, the, the class or the category of goods that you filed in, we think it belongs, we think your goods and services belong more so in, you know, class A versus class B, which is a easy, you know, easy um, thing to fix on the application. Or you could get a more substantive response, which is, we think that your mark is confusingly similar to this mark that's already applied for or that's already registered, therefore we can't register you. Then you have to create what's called an office action response, and you would create an argument as to why the marks are not confusingly similar. 
And then it goes back and forth. I mean, you have several months to respond, but then it's just, you're kind of at the whim of the trademark examining attorney, which is, which is a bit of a challenge and a bit of a frustration for many clients. This is so overwhelmingly legal for me. Uh, I, tell me, I'll put it into layman's terms as often as I can. So if you, if, let me, tell me if there's anything that, you know. No, it's just, it's so much back and forth. So when we're looking and talking about like trademarks, is this something that you could DIY yourself and go through the process and deal with all of the headaches and the ramifications and everything that go back and forth? Or is this definitely something that you get to a certain point and hiring a legal, it makes the most sense? I definitely also get asked that question. Why can't I just do it myself? Because you don't need a lawyer to file your application. So there's two things. As a perfect example, and exactly what you just said, like this is what lawyers do, right? So in my own business, as I'm starting my company and as my, you know, I was working on the tech stack, that is not my domain. So for me to get into the weeds with setting up my automations and setting up my CRM and all of that, it causes me so much aggravation when I could have somebody else help me with that. And it would be so much more of a painless process, which would leave me available to do the other more important work and work with my clients. Filing a trademark application is kind of the same thing. There are so many different ways you can file the application. You could file it as an intent to use. You can file it as a use-based application. You could file it as a word mark, as a design mark. There's so many different things. And There's also even different applications that you can file that have different costs associated with them. So could you do it yourself? Yes. Is the time that it would take you to learn everything you need to learn? You know, you might not want to to go there because it's going to take a lot of time to learn all of the little nuances of, of the application and how to get that application filed correctly. And then the other thing that I also see is that people often say, oh, well, I searched my mark. I did a Google search or I got my mark because my my LLC was available or my domain name was available. Those are not comprehensive trademark searches. And when you rely on the name of your LLC or the name of your domain name, you're kind of ignoring the whole landscape of other businesses that might be using the mark that if you adopt this particular mark without doing a comprehensive search and knowing you know, what else is out there, you could be infringing on someone else's brand. So for, for those reasons, you know, the nuances involved both with the search and the filing of the application, I would always say hire a lawyer, do it right the first time, and you're gonna spend you're gonna spend less money than if you mess up your application and then need to get a lawyer to fix your mistakes down the road. Especially because, and I know I speak for many trademark attorneys, a lot of us do the the comprehensive searches and the filing of the applications on a flat fee basis. Whereas if something is messed up down the road and you have to fix it, it's going to be a lot harder because, you know, someone might be charging you bill or hourly and it's just, you open up a whole other can of worms. So the goal of doing the search and then getting the application on file with an attorney is to minimize all of your costs down the road. So many good nuggets there. And, you know, there's something to be said about staying in your zone of genius 
mm-hmm. and working with someone who is in their zone of genius. You know, mm-hmm. there's a zone of competence that we all have. There's many a things that I can do, but am I going to do them as well as someone who has specifically trained, who has been doing this for years? Probably not. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to look at, you know, like you were saying, the time that you can be spending for product specifically on getting the word out, making connections, getting strategic partners versus the time that you're going to spend doing all of this legal that may turn around and actually not be correct to begin with. Exactly. There there has to be a – there's a trade-off there, right? Sometimes the money, the investment right there pays off down the line. Yes. Similar to when you speak of the mark and the name, and it all goes along with your brand of what you are for your business. And so similarly, when I speak with my clients and I tell them, I don't want to launch until I know that your patent at least is pending, or Mm -hmm. I don't want to launch until I know that we have your trademark out there, because you don't want to start building a brand around a name and an image That all of a sudden someone else has down the line, or maybe they've already started the patent, I mean, the trademark process, Mm -hmm. and now they pull the trademark card on you and you have to start all over again. Exactly. And that's for many businesses, especially early stage businesses in the early stage, people are very hesitant. And I get it. You know, I'm a small business owner too, and I get it. You don't want to spend the money. However, spending you know, twenty two, twenty five hundred dollars to do it right could potentially spend you and when I could potentially save you, and I'm not kidding when I say this, a hundred thousand dollars down the road. Because let's say you start using a brand you start using a mark and you didn't properly search it and you didn't file a trademark application. If someone comes after you and they were using the mark before you in connection with a similar good or service, they can not only force you to stop change your name. You'd have to change your website, change your marketing, all your product packaging, your brick and mortar stores if you have them. I mean, that's a whole expense in and of itself. You'd have to create all, you know, all your marketing and advertising. You'd have to then create, recreate the association between your product name, your business name, and the and the the services or goods you offer. But then in addition, if someone files a lawsuit against you, I mean, you could be out a hundred a hundred thousand dollars, even if you're not, you know, even if you're open to potentially settling and changing your mark, just the legal back and forth, it could be a nightmare. So I always say, and my goal as an attorney, and I know that my clients value this part of the way I work, I my goal is to keep the costs as low as possible because I know a lot of these entrepreneurs are new business. The 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 profits aren't coming in yet. So I always aim to keep the costs, you know, to a minimum and just get those brands protected because that's the most important part for any new business. And if I can help a founder successfully protect their brand, it's that's my, my day is made. That's there's nothing better than that. And that's incredible, Lauren. And that's what I really enjoyed about our conversation is because you do understand as a small business owner yourself and as someone who's in the process of doing the launch and building out your own business, like you see the expenses that come along with. And there are so, so many upfront. And I'm similar in the way that I, you know, try to price my services as well because again, I understand that you could probably try to DIY it yourself, but I'm wanting to set you up for success long term. And so Exactly. 
let's make the investment up front so that we can make more down the line and make sure that we're protected down the line. Exactly. So Lauren, as I just mentioned, you're recently a small business owner. So what was your background prior and what made you decide that going out on your own and doing this was something that you wanted to do? So I actually have, it's kind of a crazy story, my backstory. I started practicing law in 2005 and I went straight into an intellectual property boutique firm where I was for many years. And then I wanted to gain a little more experience on the other side. So I clerked for an appellate court judge for five years, always thinking I would go back into private practice. So meanwhile, as I was doing that, I had two kids. I got married. I had two kids. And and I was also I'm a huge book lover and love reading. So I also started a blog where I was reviewing children's books on the side. Well, when my second child was born, he was about 10 days old and he had some pretty major health challenges. And with the rehabilitation and everything that he needed as an infant and through his toddler years, I just kind of knew that I had to take a a step away from the law for a little while. So I began a job as a librarian at their elementary school, which had an early childhood program, which was amazing and the best thing for my son because I was able to coordinate all of his therapies, you know, right there in his classroom. And while I was doing that, I started a small business where I um, connected kids from around the country for book clubs in the evenings between book clubs live and we would bring in the authors every so often. It was amazing. But anyway, once my son was really in a better place and he, you know, I didn't didn't need me as much to facilitate everything, you know, he's doing great now. I was like, all right, I eventually want to get back to the law. So I kind of just went, you know, hung up my shingle. And I think COVID really showed a lot of us that you can work from anywhere. And especially with what I do with trademark law, it's federal which means that I can work with clients all around the United States. So virtual is like the way to go. So I decided over the summer that I really wanted to just build my own firm, practice the way I like to practice. And one of the things that was important to me is that I know a lot of young founders, and I especially know this because of my blog that I have, and a lot of the blogging community, they're very intimidated by lawyers. And I get it. I mean, these like big box cold law firms, you think like they're going to charge me like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and I'm not going to be friends with them and they're going to be mean and they're going to be cold. And I want it to be like the exact opposite of that. So I love working with female founders, you know, moms who are just like me, who really just want to trust someone with, you know, with, with their business, with, you know, friendship and a relationship and be able to really have like a nice connection and and also just provide them great legal work. So that's how it that's how it started. That's such an intriguing way to get there. <laughs> it was a very roundabout career, I know. But I love it because first of all, as a mom myself, I believe that moms can do anything. You know, mm-hmm. We are nurses at times. We are business managers. We are house managers. We are we're we're so many different things. We wear so many different hats. And I understand, you know, wanting to step up and being able to be there for your son. 
when mm-hmm. my son was eight weeks old, I turned my husband in the middle of the night. I've told the story many a times on the podcast, but turned him in the middle of the night and was like, I'm not going to go back to work. And he was like, and how are you going to make money? I'm like, I have no idea. But the mommy bloggers on Pinterest tell me I can do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and I found a way and I made it happen. And this year I made the the big pivot into working in just the product space with product-based business owners and kind of hanging my shingle, like you said. Mm-hmm. And it's just been so fantastic to be able to be the class mom and be there for my son and do all the things that I want to be able to do with him while also still being able to bring in the money that continues to help support our family. And we're all two income homes for the most part on Long Island. And so that's how it had to stay. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. It's been a crazy learning experience. And for those of you that are just starting out, it is definitely a roller coaster ride of emotions and highs and lows. Um, but it, it's so worth it. It's so worth it when you get to do that. And you get to do business on your own terms. Like you said, you're getting Mm -hmm. to run a practice, a firm the way that you want to and be able to serve the people in your community the way that you want to. Not a cold sense, but in a friendly way that's approachable and is able to be digestible. Exactly. Exactly. So I always wrap up my conversations asking if you were to look back at COVID three years ago when we were in the midst of this pandemic and all of the craziness that came and all of the good stuff that also has come from it. What would you say to yourself now, knowing all that you've learned in the last three years? I think that trusting myself, you know, I debated for so long. Can I do this? Could I do this? I think COVID really showed so many of us moms that you know, we could have businesses on our terms and we could do things virtually and we could work from our homes and have time for our kids, you know, and, and, and just really make our businesses what they wanted to be. And I think it took me a long time to have the confidence to really just go for it. And I'm so grateful that I did. And I'm also grateful. I don't think I knew back in the day that there were these amazing groups for female founders like Entrepreneurista League, like Like Minded Collective. And, and knowing that now that I have these communities with so many brilliant and just thoughtful and kind women who are so generous with their time and their insight and wisdom, it really makes such a difference. And the connections that I've made in the last few months alone and the friendships, like the new friendships that I've already made has been, I mean, invaluable. So I think really, you know, I I wish that then I could have said to myself, well, you should start this sooner, right? But knowing that we can do it. And if you believe in yourself and you believe in, you know, your mission and what you really want to do, there's a way even if it seems hard. I mean, look, we all still doubt ourselves every day, right? But you just kind of have to keep trekking through and keep going. 100%. I was recently interviewed for the Entrepreneurista League's podcast for Startup and Stilettos. And mm-hmm. I spoke about actually just about that. Like, There is a confidence that I have in myself now being almost five years in business. But at the same time, like that imposter syndrome kicks in at times when I'm speaking with some of these women 
who, again, are so wonderful with sharing their knowledge and mm-hmm. having these friendships and being able to speak with them. But I'm like, do I even belong sitting at the table? And it's like, no, exactly. there. you do belong here. Sit right. at that table. Enjoy it. There's something being surrounded by women that have gone before you and have experienced such success, as well as women that are coming up that now you mm-hmm. help mentor, that being in these groups that have come up since COVID, that it's not just about networking, it's not just about business, it's about sharing knowledge and building friendships and these relationships mm-hmm. that go way past the business piece. Exactly, exactly. And so now that you've you know hung your shingle and you're ready to go, what is the five-year plan for you and your business? I God, I just want to keep helping as many women founder, as many female founders as I can protect themselves and protect their businesses. I would love to be, you know, up and running on my own, you know, with a full time, eventually having a team that helps me, but really just keep going with that transparent, honest, great legal work and and expertise where, you know, I'm not trying to do every, you know, all different kinds of law. I'm doing trademark work. I'm doing it well. I'm getting my clients protected and I'm building relationships too, because that's what it's all about. Anyone can be a lawyer, but to be a lawyer, that's also a friend that to me is everything. Absolutely. And I am excited to see where you're going to go and for us to share clients in the future for sure. And Lauren, where can our listeners find you? Where do you hang out? Where what's your website? All of that. So my website is elegalcreative.com. I'm also on Instagram at LB Legal Creative, and I am on LinkedIn at Lauren, and my last name is Berkuson, B-E-R-C-U-S-O-N. So that's where I hang out these days. (laughs) Incredible. And all of that will be linked in the show notes as always. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with our listeners all about trademarks and how to protect themselves. I know we're just scratching the surface of this conversation for sure, Mm -hmm. but it definitely enlightened me and helping me to, to guide people as well. So thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was so great to talk with you. Absolutely. All right, listeners. Well, thank you again for tuning in. I hope that you have found some information that was insightful for you. Be sure to go and give Lauren a like, a follow, and check her out if you are looking to start your brand or your business. Don't launch without being trademark protected. Thank you for listening to The Product Doula Presents. Go to your favorite podcast app, hit that subscribe button, and leave us a review. It will help us reach more product-based business owners and support them in achieving their business dreams. If you got something out of our show, I would love to hear from you. Send me your favorite takeaway or any questions you may have to info at theproductdoula.com. You might just hear the answer in a future episode. I'll see you back here next week.